Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. time it's time what is it time for for an experiment and conversation kyle oh yeah uh a late night experiment and conversation (laughs) we're all laid back and cool right now just why i've got these sunglasses on listen i think you're making a hilarious joke but i'm not making a hilarious joke our headphones are turned all the way up and i still can't really hear you in my headphones that's better yeah. You just got to glue yourself to the fucking, fucking microphone, move. sir. See, I just, we got to fix the camera situation because I want to pull it closer to me, yep. but I can't because it's going to fuck up the yeah, shot. Yeah, we definitely have to fix that. But, you know, we'll, we'll suffice We might now. have to build like some kind of a... Uh, contraption. Like a contraption of sorts. Um, My guy how's your spot welding, Kyle? Um, it's it's not good. But, but, um, but, you, but you could probably try? Oh, yeah, I could, I could figure something out. Sweet. So we're going to have the most rickety-ass fucking video stand over here. But anyways, back to all these cool cats and female cats. I don't know what I don't know what, what the word cool, what the cool word for lady is. I don't know what it is. Dame? I don't know. That doesn't sound like... It's not right? It doesn't sound like jazz Glass? language. No, you know? it's not jazz language. Um, jazz language. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> Uh, no, Kyle, why don't you tell us what it means? It means the language of the Jasmines. Yes, the Jasmines. <laughs> Correct. So listen, guys, uh, we usually do the podcast first thing in the morning on a Sunday morning before church. We do it before church hours. and um, We're still doing it before church hours, just we are. further before church hours. Yep. Today's a special night because... <laughs> Today's a special night. <laughs> because Jonathan... Q Jones is going to be fighting in the UFC again uh, after a long hiatus. What's his middle name? I haven't the slightest clue. Just made up Q. And his name, I don't it's probably not Jonathan either. It's J, just J O N. John Jones. The great John Jones. The great mighty Johnny Bones. John Bones Jones is going to be fighting Cyril Kane and I decided on a whim. I don't know who the fuck Cyril Kane is. I also don't know who the hell Cyril Kane is, but on a whim, I decided to order the pay-per-view. So Kyle's over here on a Saturday night. We're, we decided we got staying up late. We are going to be late. Staying up, I mean, yeah. Dude. Otherwise, punctual people, you and I. Yeah. But tonight we're gonna stay up late, so I figured we would squeeze this podcast in now, and have a whole different ambiance situation. So we turn we. I have a dimmer on the lights. We turn, we dim them, but you can't tell on the video. So just know cool. that. Just know that everybody. It's cooler in here than it normally is. It's totally. Hence the sunglasses. And the and the jazz language. <laughs> Uh, so what's up, man? Tell me something, what we, man. 
tell you something. Yeah. Um, I I've got really one thing to talk about, but it's heavy, man. I don't know. You don't want to start with it? Yeah, I don't know. All if right. I want to start. Let, with let's it. ease into it. Let's ease into it like this. It's depressed. It's like not. Oh man. It's from an episode of that dude Buck Johnson's podcast. He had this guy on, and the stuff that that guy was talking about is so really not good, man. Well, I definitely want to hear it, but I first of all, since you bring up Buck Johnson, I want to say something Buck to Johnson. the interwebs. It's the man. Um, I, I, I have not seen a lot of Buck Johnson, um, but I felt like I could make a statement about him in, in the last time we got together, the time before that, when I called him boring. Do you remember this? I, I do remember that. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to apologize uh, to, to the audience because, um, because it's not a nice thing to say, man. And, and I didn't, I only had one interview where the person he was interviewing was, was a talker. And so he didn't have a lot of time to chime in and that's the all I was making I was simply stating that he didn't participate in the conversation as much I didn't get to know him at all in that discussion and it was my first time and that's what I wanted and so I I made that remark so I just want to say that to everybody uh you know it's okay to fuck up and it's okay to acknowledge when you fucked up I may have done that sorry about that book it's mighty wide of you man sorry about that book uh, yeah, Buck Johnson is one of the best dudes on the internet. So that that's that's nice of you. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, nothing but good. Top notch dude, and a great podcast too. Uh, Buck is like, you know, there are some people who are going to put themselves in the conversation. You know, like um, they're going to make themselves a part of it. They're going to contribute in certain ways, um, and Buck can do that too. But a lot of the times, man, Buck, like this guy that he had on today, this guy was just full of good information and Buck was just asking all of the right questions to get that information out. Oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah. You know what? That is a skill. Yeah. Asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. That is a skill. Yep. To, and to be able to lay that, to take a person who has all that information and like ask them the right questions to where they can lay it out in, you know, like the correct narrative to make yeah. it, um, you know, compelling. You know, uh, another person who does that well is um, Joe Rogan. It's subtle. It's subtle, but he, that guy can keep a conversation going, man. And yep, he can Rogan keep it. Is good. He can keep it going when he's talking to somebody way smarter than him. That's that's really hard. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Rogan. Um, you know, he's not my, like my favorite dude in the world, but he is a good talker. You know, he's, he's, just good, he's very, a good talker. Uh, he's a he's a good talker. That guy. He's got the gift of gab. True that. Um, so uh, why don't since we're, since this is UFC night, we're not obviously we're not. It's not till later, so um, we can't talk about tonight's fight. But let's just talk about fighting in UFC for a little bit. That's a light topic we can begin with. I hadn't prepared I anything. Never fought in the UFC. You haven't? No. Oh shit. That's what I thought. That's what you said. I t- talk about fighting in the UFC <laughs> and the UFC. Oh, and the UFC. You son of a bitch. Pay oh. attention. So I've done some fighting out of the UFC. Not a lot of it, but uh, you know. Yep. Had some fights. Yep. Had a couple. Had a couple scraps myself. Yeah, man. Nothing's you ever think that maybe you could maybe start training MMA? I was talking about it at dinner. Oh, yeah? Tonight, yes. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to I even just like to get some wrestling, you know? I was going to start with um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. BJJ. And my whole strategy was this. I want to do I've been wanting to take some kind of martial arts since I was a kid. Yeah. I, I grew up, you know, watching kung fu movies, you and I. And um, I, it's it's exciting, and I loved it. And I thought it was magical and and mystical. And what was that it, movie with the golden glow? 
And the red glow. That movie was called The Last Dragon. Man, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. Because stupid as hell. But Show enough. Stupid as hell, but still really good. It, listen, it is stupid as hell, and it is still really good if you know that you're going to watch something that's glaringly like 80s. Yeah. You know, if you're going to watch something, you know it's going to be goofy as shit. The music, the clothes, the hair, everything's going to be goofy. Then that, it's not bad. Yep. Agreed. And you could watch that movie then and now. Same thing. That was just the washing machine. Don't worry about that, Kyle. Gotcha. <laughs> Threw me off, man. All right, UFC. So, so you watched it in the early days, relatively, um, before I was ever interested in it at all. When I started watching it, when I started like really watching it, was um, the second season of The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, it, got, it blew up. Yeah, with. Um, Matt Hughes and Rich Franklin were the Ooh. coaches. I believe that was the second season. Do you remember what happened in that fight, Hughes Franklin? They didn't fight each other. Why not? Isn't that the, how They're it works? They're in different weight classes, and that's oh, just not gotcha, how you know. Gotcha. They didn't I, I that, thought that they paired up the, the trainers on purpose to fight at the end. Yeah, they normally do. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. They did a lot of the time, anyways. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Rich Franklin. I, I liked both of those guys a lot. Those were like two of my favorite guys. I'm sure that's influenced by the fact that I was introduced to the sport. Through them, basically. It, Rich Franklin's from Ohio, right? Cincinnati. Fuck yeah, Former man. Matt represent. Teacher. 513, baby, represent. All right. Um, <clears throat> so I, I liked watching uh, kung fu movies. In particular, I was a John claude Van Damme fan. Because oh, yeah, when dude. you're fucking eight years old, who's better than Van Damme? Yeah, dude. You know? And the, the, So I've been having a lot of fun with this AI image generator. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. one of the things that I've been doing is putting in actors... With characters that I would like to have seen Duke, you know, and one of the ones that I did was John claude Van Damme as Captain America. I just think it's funny because he's not American, you know, um, and it looks pretty cool, man. They didn't stop us from making him uh, Lieutenant Guile. Guile. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got that. He's got that. Like, like what is it? What? what Where's he? He's from Brussels, Brussels, right? Yeah, he's yeah. just got that particular accent. It's not. It's like nothing you can identify, but you know, it's European. Yeah, man. Kind of like those two blonde dudes from uh, Family Guy. They, sa- they sound American, but they say words that you wouldn't use in the in as an American. I don't know. They're what like, you're "Hello, about, friend." Dude. You know, I don't. I, I I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of Family Guy. Fuck directly off, Kyle. Yeah, I know, man. Just I, I'm more of like a an Office guy, Arrested Development. Yeah, those shows more than Family Guy. Can we talk about Stepe for a second? Stepe Miocic, also from our neck of the woods. Right her. Well, he's originally is he Ukrainian? I don't know. Stipe? I think I he know. might be. I think he might. He's some he's originally Somewhere from Europe, in right? Eastern Europe area. But now he lives in Strongsville, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um so he was the heavyweight champion. Loses to was it Nganu? I think so, yeah. And he was going to have a he was going to fight Nganu that or they were talking about that. And then when John Jones who was going to fight tonight when he was when he was co- going to come back and they were going to let him come back. Um then there was a debate whether John Jones should fight Stipe before he fights for the title. And um, that would have been awesome. Then they started talking about John Jones fighting Francis Ngannou, and that would have been awesome. But then Francis exited the UFC, which, you know, that was interesting. Because he's like, he seems like he's kind of like the first guy to ever tell the UFC to fuck off. Yeah, he went, he go to like Bellator or something? I don't even know. I think I don't he's, even I think he's, go, I think he's going to be boxing professionally. Really? He'll be, he'll be doing, he'll be doing mixed martial arts again for sure. Interesting. Yeah. 
So then that was going to go down, and I was excited about that. And then uh, that, then he left the UFC, so they had to make the fight. They put John Jones in against Cyril Kane, and I just I don't know really much Cyril about him. Kane. Obviously, he's the top contender. It's if a cool gonna, name. It is. It is cool. What, what's yeah? What's this fellow look like? Um, he's a like a big buff black dude. Um, he, bald. Basically, I was asking what his skin color was, so that that's good. That's fine. I, he, I wonder if he's like British or something, because who, who's named Cyril? Cyril. It's got to be. He's got to be an Englishman, I bet. Yeah. Or French. I was. I was going to say or worse, and I meant or worse. French. Yeah, dude. Is, is France worse than England? Uh, I would say. I personally would say so. But uh, you know, I'm not basing that on much. Understood. They just speak a different language, so I think that they're. I work closer to the Brits, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a kinship. I also feel like this is not fair. This is going to be the most American thing I'll say all day. I, I kind of get the idea that like England, great, say it, dude. Great Britain, say it. It's like London and Edinburgh, and it's like that's where everyone lives, oh, and the rest of the country is sheep say. and Irishmen. You know, yeah, sheep and Welshmen everywhere else. But uh, that's, I don't know. So, uh, but I'm sure that's not true. And I kind of imagine France is similar. I imagine there's Everyone a lot of Paris. A lot of countryside. Everybody's in Paris. Yeah. I don't know how true that is because Europe is not as big as you think it is, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of people over there, and they're. I'm about to sneeze. Don't do it. He's going to sneeze more than once. I guarantee it. I don't know. I think I'll be able to contain myself. Oh, see, so now um, he's just trying to prove me wrong on the air. But. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, they've been over there for a lot longer, so they've, like, spread out more, and I just don't think that there's... I, obviously, there is countryside. I know that, but... <coughs> I know that a lot of people from Europe are amazed by America's national park system because they don't have shit like that. You know? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm sure they have some beautiful parks, but, like, we have these giant swaths of land that are, like, you know, protected. So I want to say... I don't know if you know you probably you know the first part. We have direct flights now from Cleveland to Reykjavik. Yeah. So if you want to go to Iceland and see what that shit's like, you can. But yeah. guess guess what's coming soon? What? Direct flights Dublin? to Dublin. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. How cool is that, man? Um You wanna go have a warm beer and fly home in the same day? I don't hate the idea. Me either. Um, I would like to go. I've heard not great things though. I've heard that like visiting it's not like it used to be. Really? Yeah. That's why, like, if I ever visit Europe, I don't want to go to Paris or London. I want to go to, like, a village where, like, the roofs are made of thatch and, like, the bar's 700 years old. Yeah. And, and the people bring me food. I never, I, it looks familiar, but I've never tasted, tasted it quite Black like that pudding. before. That's what I want. Yeah. That's, that's If there's wooden shoes involved, that's a plus. If there's, like... Yeah, I want to go experience some traditional shit, you know? Traditional shit. Yeah. Like mushrooms in Amsterdam. Like, uh... Tripping mushrooms? <laughs> tripping mushrooms, man. Yeah. That's yeah, traditional. It's pretty traditional. Yeah. They were tripping balls on mushrooms back in... What, what's that place called? Why am I drawing a blank on that Amsterdam? country? Amsterdam? Yeah. It's not a country, it's a city. It is a city, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, let me see. What? what t oh, I do have something I want to ask you about. Um, we talked about Scott Adams last time we got together. Yeah, yeah. And I then, didn't listen to that. <laughs> but that's what I want to ask you <laughs> yeah. about, you son of a bitch. Sorry, man. No, I, so um, Hotep Jesus did a podcast episode with Scott Adams. 
And he, he did it immediately after this fallout, which was pretty cool of him, actually. Um, black dude, big platform, you know, brought Scott Adams on, on his side. That was pretty, that was pretty big. Yep. Um, and it was interesting. And I sent it to you in the hopes you would listen to it. I forgot to. Okay, so I want to tell Things you. Things slip through the cracks, you know. I'm listening to. It does, yeah. Yeah. What are you listening to right now? Um, well, when I was on my way over here, I was listening to a crucible debate about transgenderism. Ooh. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, Hotep Jesus. So they're having this conversation and Hotep Jesus says some shit that made me think about racism in a very different way. Okay. This seems like a topic. Yeah, he'll do that. I don't know much about Hotep Jesus. Yeah. But I like his name. It's Egyptian. It's Christian. All in one. It's pretty cool. Seems like the most Coptic name ever. Um, the first time I heard about Hotep Jesus, he walked into a Starbucks and was like, uh, "Get you know, like, give me a free coffee because I'm black," you know, and like, oh, just God. like taking advantage of how fucking stupid everyone is. Wow. Or not taking? Well, I, guess, I mean, it is taking. You're getting a free coffee, but yeah, you know, but just po- poking fun at how fucking stupid all of it is. They gave it to him. Wow. Yeah. It's like one of those experiments where you get in the elevator and you face the wrong way. It's like one of those things. It's just a social experiment just to see how people react when you're, you know, they're in a situation that they're not supposed to be in, that they're not equipped for. They haven't, they haven't run through this simulation before. What do I do? Um, do you remember him being on Rogan's podcast? I think so, but it, you'd have to refresh my memory about what they talked about. I, it's been a long time. I, the only thing I really remember him talking about was a, um, talking about how as you get older, the amount that you, uh, as a man, are ejaculating. Oh, I remember that. It needs to be going, getting like less and less. I remember that now, yeah. Yeah. And Which I have- is interesting. It's like something that I actually... Um, I think that if you abide by that, that you will notice... Things. Yeah, so the argument, if, if I remember correctly, it's like uh, there are like nutrients, for, for lack of a better word, I don't know, like uh, like rare like rare nutrients like selenium and things like that that are in that are needed for your body to make um, a big glob of jizz, right? <laughs> and so it pulls that, it leaches that stuff from your, from your body. I don't, this is probably totally wrong, but it takes it takes something out of you. And people say that, you know, like. People say it takes something out of you, but as you get older, you're less equipped to like restore all of that. Exactly. So I remember him saying like, if you're in your thirties, you should, you shouldn't be ejaculating more than like three times a week. I think he said like once a week. Once a week. Okay. Maybe that's true. I don't even remember though. And I remember that, but I have not followed those orders, man. (laughs) I decided that was foolishness. I'm just going to be. Just deficient of selenium, man. (laughs) Give me some, give me some, give me Get, yeah, get me some vitamin uh, vitamin capsules. I'll take some selenium. Get to get that that centrum centrum silver going. But I listen. I I really not not sure how much we really how much value we really get from a multivitamin. I'm not sure, man. Yeah, you just piss it all out. Yeah, you know, your PAP is like bright neon. Green. Sure is. It's just all. So back to Hotep Jesus. Yeah, he said. All right. So Scott Adams asks him. What does he ask him? Try to remember how this gets set up. Let me see. What did I write down? This motherfucker's got notes. Okay. Okay, I remember. So, (laughs) Scott Adams asks Hotep Jesus about how black people see 
white people if they in general when they're generalizing about them right are they is their opinion of white people good or bad this is how he asks something like that he's like if you're generalizing about white people do you think they're good or bad do black people in general think they're good or bad and Chotep Jesus says I was just thinking about this I was just talking about this and I think there's a, a conscious attitude towards white people and there's a subconscious attitude towards white people and then he, he goes on to explain and he gives a couple of examples he says um, he asks Scott Adams about Malcolm X and he says basically did you know that that when Malcolm X I think he, he either had a white girlfriend or he married a white woman I can't remember um, he said when Malcolm X had this white woman that it gave him so much more clout in the eyes of the black community, that when that happened, he was taken much more seriously. And he's, he's, he's telling Scott Adams this as an example, that subconsciously, even though someone like Malcolm X might have had nothing good to say about white people, let's say, he gets this white woman on his arm, and it's like he's such a high-status black man that he can have a white woman. What's the implication there? The implication there is that the white woman is somehow better than if he had a black woman, Right. It's a status symbol, right? Something like that. And that all of the black community subconsciously agree with him that him achieving this thing, this great thing, means that he's a superior black man. And so there's this subconscious element that goes along with, with racism. And I was like... And then he gives another example. He says that black people if someone like Hotep Jesus comes out and says something about a medical nature, and I'm, I'll beat around the bush, but a recent medical situation mm-hmm. that has been quite, quite... Preventative measures. Qu- preventative measures, yes. He said if he says something about that to the black community, um, it doesn't matter how much evidence he has or how much support he has, he doesn't get taken seriously, even amongst the black community. But as soon as a white man in a white coat tells them the same thing, then the black community agrees. An authority has now told him, and they believe it. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So he's saying that there's this subconscious thing that goes along with uh, kind of the way black, black people think about white people, where they immediately, subconsciously, unconsciously, put them up um, you know, on a pedestal, essentially. And... Um, First of all, what do you make of that before I say anything else? Um, I don't, I mean, I think that a lot of black people, if they heard that, would be outraged, you know? Like, they would be like, uh, that's ridiculous. Um, because, you know, they think they hate, I, I mean, they think they hate white people. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they don't think that they're holding them up as some kind of a, Ideal, which is know? which is why he said made the difference between conscious and unconscious. Yeah, true. Um, there might, I mean, you know, I, I I don't know. I've never really thought about it that way before. So it's well, hard to I have. definitely never thought about that before. That's why it st- struck me so as interesting, mm-hmm. and I got more controversial shit to say about that. But let me ask you another question before I do. If that's true, let's say. The Hotep's Jesus pulse on the black experience is accurate. And there's this subconscious preference or, or you know, uh, discrimination against uh, 
black authority in favor of white authority. If that's the case, where do you suppose that comes from? Um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, buddy. Yeah, you're, I mean, like we're, the answer to this question is, you know, the kind of stuff that people get kicked off YouTube for, you know, even speculating on things like that. Uh, so I don't know how to answer that question. Um, I think, go ahead. I think that maybe. I think that maybe something, there's something to the fact that the the master-slave relationship, you know, um, I'm sure that back in the day, uneducated slaves would see their masters and, you know, education counts for a lot, you know, like the people, people from Europe came over and had education and just like blew the minds of the people over here who didn't have education. Um, you know, like, yeah, you so, know, I get you. So some, maybe there's like some kind of leftover, like a remnant of that. I, I don't know. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. It's a historical hangover from a time when society, uh, enforced a hierarchy where white people were above black people. And if you live that way, generation after generation, it starts to get reinforced in ways that maybe you carry into the next generation and you don't even realize it. I think that makes perfect sense. That could happen. Mm-hmm. You could have these people who subconsciously still want to favor seems, white authority from... Go ahead. Seems like a good case, uh, a good argument for somebody who is saying that, you know, racial oppression is still a thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, which I don't agree with. So, um, you know, there's good, there just have to be some kind of counter argument uh, that I, you know, which I think... Like at a certain point, how long? How long is that going to stay? This is my. This is exactly what I want to get to. Because you make this is the point that I'm that I'm struggling with myself, and Hotep Jesus didn't say a word about which I'm which I I would love to have heard his opinion on this. Is that if there's this subconscious thing, that's uh, that's continued to be carried into the next generations that makes black folks subconsciously think white people are better if that's at what point do they recognize it and put a stop to it at, at what point um so the question i have for you is let's see how did i phrase this in my notes um how i phrased it in my notes is are are black people responsible for white supremacy that's how I phrased it in my notes. And this is, this is, go ahead. Well, wouldn't, I mean, if it's traced back to slavery, wouldn't white people still kind of be responsible for it? If that's the angle you're taking? That's a, that's a good point. I guess the way, the way that it struck me is if it were me, if I put myself in that situation and I, and I think to myself, I feel so, um, belittled by the existence of this other group. I feel so, uh, it's like, I I know I'm doing it to myself retrospectively. I know I'm doing it to myself, but I feel so inadequate compared to, but here's the thing. I feel so inadequate compared to who I put at the top of the hierarchy. I'm the one that's putting the white people at the top of the hierarchy and saying, I feel lesser than. 
So all of the systemic racism, all of the systemic oppression that I feel, like let's say you know, putting my shoes in my feet in the shoes of a, of a black man, let's say, that I would be in that situa- situation where subconsciously, whatever that means, I'm putting the standard here. I'm the one doing it. So is the is the white supremacy coming from the white man? Or am I the one that's doing it? You're imposing it on yourself. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. And I'm literally asking. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm asking. What do you think of that idea? When a black man like Hotep Jesus says, subconsciously, I think white authority is the only authority that, that's authority. Who's doing that? Is white man doing that? Is white culture doing that? Or is Hotep Jesus doing that? Well, I, that's a good question. I, I mean, is he doing that? Or is he... Oh, is Does he have control over it? Is it yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. know. That's a good question. It's a good question, but if somebody if somebody points it out, if they make if you they make you aware of it, then do you have some power over that? Well, he's aware of it. Does he still? I mean, is he still claiming that he's affected by that, or is he in? Has he mastered that? Well, he seems to have mastered that, but he didn't explicitly talk about this angle. Yeah, he just said he just said what he said about the subconscious thing, and they just went right past it. You know, I, I really would like to hear more about that because there, there, is, there is at least a way of looking at this as though Hotep Jesus is doing that to himself. Yeah. And if that's the case, then black people are responsible for white supremacy is true. And that's, that's a fucking weird thing to say. And I'm just wondering if it's possible that it's a psychological thing. In, in I think there's definitely some truth to it. I think that... Uh, <clears throat> One thing that I've been saying for a long time is that a lot of the black community's problems are the black community's problems. Like, it's nothing really that we can do about it, you know? Uh, and I think that that's kind of maybe just another way of saying that. It's just like, you're, you're doing this to yourself at this point, you know? Um, you can you can stop whenever you want to. People will say that that is racist. That saying that or thinking that is racist. Yeah. But I don't know. Fuck those people. Those people are stupid. Do you not want to be empowered as an individual? Do you not want to be in, empowered as a community? As a family? As a community? I don't... I don't know, man. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that there are other factors for maybe why that uh, that white authority is held in higher esteem. Uh, but that that's definitely an interesting take. Well, I'm glad you find it interesting. I I do too. Um, I, I do want to point out one thing when when Hotep Jesus gives the example of the medical the white man in a white coat. When he gives that uh, example, and he even says it like that, white man in a white coat, um, that's a, a a textbook fallacy. It's called it's called an appeal to authority. So if you if you take like I took a class, uh, a logic class in college that talked about all these sort of logical fallacies, and that's one of the primary ways of manipulating people. So like you see you see a commercial, and the commercial shows one of your a- athlete heroes. Drinking a particular drink. It's an appeal to authorities. Like, I should like the drink because some authority who I respect drinks the drink. And so is it... I don't know, man. It's just... Did... did, 
did the white man do such a good job of the white man. did the white man do such a good job of brainwashing every every black american including those that weren't born yet you know a multiple generational brainwashing did we did do such a good job of that that it's not it's that they can take no responsibility for for putting for making white people the ideal of authority i just boy i think that um to some degree there might be an aspect of it that isn't even racial it's that people who some people who are dumb are more likely to trust authority you know what i mean like that authority is all that it really takes uh to be able to for them to trust you basically um so you know that's not really a racial thing it's going to be dumb white people dumb black people dumb you know just dummies um and i mean a, a lot of the people who are in power are white you know for do, whatever reason do you think it's better to be a woman or a man is a woman better than a man would you say i would i would much rather be a man i'm very happy being a man the reason i ask you that is because me asking that question is sort of similar to this question you know is it is a, is a white is a, is a, are a white is a white person superior or is it just depends is it, on what you mean by better you know it depends on how, how what metrics you are well, it's like me- this. measuring because i will say this i have no problem saying that white people are better you know on average white people are seem to be better at some things at some things sure and there are outliers too you know like there are there are white people who are, white people are generally good at this but there are black people who are good at it too they you know um, but I think to act like that's not the truth is fucking stupid, you know? Well, even if it's statistically true, it's like to, to call that anything but a, but a statement of statistical fact of a, a, a mathematical, like it doesn't mean anything beyond the fact that it's true. You know, like if they did, um, a study that said, uh, in general, a particular race a particular race happens to be best at, better at these particular things. Go ahead. I don't know. I mean, I'm not... I, you said that it doesn't mean anything. I don't know that that's true. I think that if you have a race of people, you know, who are living in one certain area and that area is good at certain things, that that is attributable to those differences, you know? Like, there's a reason yeah. certain areas excel in certain things. It's just the way those people's minds work, you know? Yeah, I mean, part of that is a genetic inheritance. Uh, inheritance. Part of that is um, training. Part of that is, like you say, if you if you grow up in a mountains a mountainous snow village, I guess. Do you I don't think know, Do man. you think you're likely to be pretty good at skiing compared to other people? Probably. Yeah, I, I also think that um, something I heard the other day is that. So imagine that yesterday, you woke up and you were in a rush. So you didn't get to eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, how would you feel? I don't know. Probably a little bit hungry. Okay. So the fact that you can take yourself and put yourself in time and consider that means that you're over 90 in IQ. Like somebody who's below 90 in IQ is going to be like, what do you mean? I did eat breakfast. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So give those people all the training you want. They're not going to be rocket scientists. They're not going to, you know, they're going to be janitors, you know. Um, and if you have an entire region of the world who has 90 IQ, what are, you know, 
I don't know the the fact that France marches in there and like the the places where France has been are nice and the places where France didn't go are not nice. That doesn't surprise me, you know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's because because we don't know the the reason or reasons for differences like that. It's like I don't know how much, um, like what kind of claim you could make about that, other than that it's true. If it's if it happens to be the statistical fact, then it's true. You know, but it, I would think we're well short of being able to to explain why. Why IQ variances? Yes. Yeah, I got. I don't know. I don't. I would don't have enough information to speculate on that. But I don't know. Maybe there's a reason why. You know, there's one thing that comes to my mind that's we could talk about. It's uh, Lamarckianism. So I, I don't. I know. Vi- I know. Lamarck. I know very very little about Frenchman. this. You're so I'm going to bring a Frenchman into this. I'm going to talk out of school big time. But it's like this. Charles Darwin wasn't the first person to um, talk about uh, the theory of evolution or evolution um, by any means, by natural selection or sexual selection. wasn't the first one. His his grandfather, um, Erasmus Darwin, w- was talking about that. Good, strong name. Uh, yeah. Erasmus. A long time before him. And around the same time Erasmus Darwin was doing that, there was a guy named Jean-Baptiste, Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, a Frenchman, who had a theory of evolution that was different. He said, this is, I listen, I, don't, I haven't read it, but I'll tell you what everyone always ta- says when they talk about Lamarck. Um, they say that Lamarck's um, ideas were that you have generations and generations and generations of a certain type of animal in a certain environment, and it has to reach up into the trees to eat the leaves. After enough generations, you get a giraffe. That's how he would explain evolution. You're reaching for the trees, you're reaching for the trees, you're stretching, stretching your neck, you're stretching your neck, then your kids are going to have longer necks and longer necks, and next thing you know, you have a fucking giraffe. Got a giraffe. That's how he explains it. Now, the Darwinian version is not like that. The Darwinian version is you have random mutations that happen to produce a giraffe with or a giraffe pre-giraffe animal with a little bit longer of a neck. It's going to outbreed the rest of them because those kids are going to be able to reach higher leaves. They're going to have more to eat. That's how they would argue. Well, we've come full circle on this because at one point we said Lamarck is wrong and Darwin's right. And now you hear all this talk about epigenetics and epigenetics is Lamarckianism yeah. it basically says that if your father and your grandfather and your great grandfather were lifting weights like crazy their whole lives and were power lifters and ripped you are way more likely to ha- have natural nat- natural physique like that that you don't have to work for because you've inherited something of that from your from your past we now believe that that is also true, that there's both happening. So imagine that you live in a certain climate, you have certain challenges, and they require a certain type of thinking. Let's, let's say you live in a northern climate where you food... It gets fucking cold and you're It starving. gets cold and you have to plan, which you would never have to do in a tropical or subtropical environment. You have to plan to, to survive during the winter. Another... Yeah, I could definitely see how that having to think into the future, to think, plan into the future. Think differently. That's going to expand your thinking powers, you know. Uh, I definitely see that. Uh, another example, um, you know, of the cultures and habits of a community, it, you know, in informing that or shaping that would be religious communities like the Jewish community. Reading the reading all of that stuff is a huge part of their life. So they're a highly, highly literate society. 
Um, and, and writing makes you think differently. Mm-hmm. Representationally. Yeah. And you can think about this, because when, agri- when agriculture became a thing and you had to manage crops and you had to, there was all kinds of planning, that's when numbers were invented. Like in India and in the, and in the Levant and in the, uh, the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, they started to have to record how much crops do we have and then how do we start trading with each other. Then they have to start writing it down. They invent writing, numbers and writing. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if you're a people who for 300 generations have been using numbers whilst the people in sub-Saharan Africa, the people in Australia, the people in you know, pl- places that didn't, that didn't ever develop those technologies and generation after generation, you're reinforcing a different type of thinking. If epigenetics is true, if Lamarckianism is true, the people who were, who were thinking differently would be qualitatively different people than the ones that weren't. They, their brains would change. You know, the- I think it's uh, just interesting that you went down the, that evolution thing because I definitely lean a little bit more towards that kind of um, evolution I'm not 100% sold on Darwin's theory of evolution anymore. Like my, you know, it, I think if you listen to this podcast from the beginning, you'll notice this change in me. And it was already kind of there in the very beginning of it. And it's that I don't fucking trust science. I don't trust scientists. I think that a lot of it is clout chasing. A lot of it is like, I got this theory, you know, you can't prove it wrong, but it's not really like based on that much, you know? Yep. Um, I, I just don't know how I feel about it. The fact that everyone is like Darwin's theory of evolution, that's definitely it. There's no, no, I don't know. I've seen some people criticize Darwin's theory of evolution and I don't think that they're ridiculous criticisms, you yeah. know? Oh, I think you have a, the, you have a good reason to distrust scientists given that, well, two things. One, that once the theory is solidified, they become the, they become the academics become the defenders of the theory against all odds, and that those odds can include any sort of new facts, any sort of new th- new thinkers, new technology. They want to fucking resist and resist that change. That's not good. But then you also have what happened recently with sciences, scientists, scientific authorities, and medical authorities lying to the public. When you have those sorts of things happening without any shame, without any, it it really will start to undermine your ability to trust. Science, and that's dangerous, man, because science is, I think, up until relatively recently, um, obviously a hugely powerful driver of progress and in, in for human culture and for, you know, human flourishing. Yeah, I don't think that science is going to stop being a driver for those things, but I think that people making, like, religious claims based on science, I feel like that is... Being, their ability to do, to do that is being eroded. People are not buying all of their shit anymore. Yep. Uh, and I think that's good. I think that people should start only buying into the things that um, are that you can see. You know what I'm saying? That I don't know if that's the greatest way to describe it. But so uh, sometimes I think a lot of science that I don't trust asks me to go against my common sense and my senses you know it's like this is how you perceive it but that's not really how it is and i don't mm. there's something that i don't trust about that so you, know? you don't you don't trust the quantum at all then um i think that it's interesting but if anybody is preaching that that's definitely the way that it is i don't know maybe you know i don't know you're an interesting cat kyle am i yeah 
Oh, I just ashed all over my notes. Easy to do. Um, why don't you tell me your sad Buck Johnson tale? I want to hear that. I'm ready for that now. You're, in a, you're ready to I'm be... In a, I'm in a better headspace for it. Okay, so... Oh, man, I can't remember the guy's name. It was an Indian guy. Ahmad... Ahmad Jabi. I'll look it up here in a minute. But, um... Yeah, I could too. He, but... uh... He had this guy on, and the guy, um, you know, worked in the tech industry. He made cameras. In uh, the United States? Yeah. Okay. You said his name was Ahmad. you got to be specific here. He's an Indian fella. Okay. But he, I I believe, he came over here and may have lived over here the whole time. I don't know. But um, he came over here at some point and was uh, working in the tech industry, making, like, camera technology, things like that. You know, like, um, I don't know if he's actually making cameras, but making, like, software for cameras to use on phones and things like that. And he says that, you know, there's cameras on everything. Um, And these cameras are scanning your face. So do you remember the movie? He didn't say this. This is just, like, something that clicked in my mind. Remember the movie Minority Report? Of course. There's all the cameras everywhere, and they scan people's faces. He said that's exactly what's going on, that faces are so unique that they can identify everyone by their faces. He said all these companies are already doing this. They're already having you like if you're uh, watching a YouTube video and it's like polit you know they're talking whatever it is but I'm just picking this thing it's a political thing your camera is not recording you in the sense that it's like actually recording and the video is being like stored on some server but it is monitoring you and it's recognizing like facial expressions and connecting it with like the words that you're listening to so when it hears the you know you know, talking about whatever, uh, you know, whatever political leanings it knows, you know, he made a positive facial expression during this. He made a negative during this. Uh, And they're doing this all the time. It's your phone cameras and the speakers are constantly listening to you. And and again, not recording you, but making uh, like taking information and data. Metadata. Yeah. Yeah. In like the weirdest sense. I mean, weird. Um, and it's all being stored on the, in, in clouds and all of that is going to be uh, eventually what they're moving toward is that like ESG thing, the environmental, social and governance scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, just, just think about all of the, the time that you've got cameras pointing at you and what you're doing and. Well, sometimes I listen to podcasts in the shower, Kyle. Yeah. Are you saying that? metadata of my dong are you you're like watching videos no but I have my phone in there is it pointing at you I mean yeah and there's cameras on both sides of my phone it's not like I can put it on the dark side there's a camera on my dong yeah true one way or the other (laughs) I mean I generally don't have my my phone in the in the shower with me I bring it in there I listen to the podcast what if you're listening to a podcast from your phone you just have it sitting like on the sink um, I have like Bluetooth speakers and shit, bro. Oh, see, I don't, I don't. Yeah, but that's a good idea. Are they waterproof or are they just? I don't on take the, them out in. I just leave just them sitting like, on the top of the toilet. Yeah, yeah. You remember when Matt used to keep that fucking boombox? Boombox. Yeah, was it yeah. like a cassette player boombox? It was a CD player. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it was a cassette player. It's funnier. <clears throat> hey, um, Matt, do you still have that thing sitting on your toilet? Let us know. Comment, comment does. below. No, I bet you he's got some way to play. Uh, like your phone, you know. I, I don't. I know that Matt uses Spotify. 
I don't think he's still schlepping around the CD book, you know? If he is. If he is. That's like... Baller. Yeah, it's kind of respectable. That's retro. OG. But, um... Yeah, this story's not sad yet. Keep going. Oh, that You don't think that's it? Because it doesn't get oh, much you, worse than that. Oh, you, you said sad. That's, like, uh, alarming. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. I think that's sad. It is pretty crazy. Because <clears throat> it's, like, subjective in the sense that you have to kind of assume that the same kind of muscular movements in your face represent a certain emotion 100% of the time. You know, you, there's like a, a lot of assumptions that have to be built into that. Yeah. It's probably going to be right most of the time, though. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised how right they can be with, like, algorithms and stuff. Like, it's amazing how um, just... Once they program those things, they're pretty good. I, I'm sure they're right. They're, they're wrong sometimes too, but you know, yeah, they they're pretty efficient a lot of the time. L- law of large numbers, man. Yeah. Um, that guy, Jason from the Two Bit Podcast. I was listening to his podcast, and he said he had a good point that that is, um, you know, it, it is intimidating and it is scary, but also that's got to take a lot of um, like energy and effort to to be. You know, especially once you try to, like, put that into practice, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, an- another thing that guy was talking about was g- this thing called geofencing. Okay. Where if you, you know, basically you're not allowed to go within, out of, like, five miles of your house. You know what I'm saying? And you're, like, if you get caught outside of it, you know, there's consequences, shit like that. Um it, it's a it's a fucked up system, man. Who would want that, dude? I think a lot of people they appeal to um, people's like laziness, people's um, you know, uh, people's desire for safety, things like that. That's that's it, a real that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, did you see this um, article about Ford? Henry Ford. Yeah, Henry. No, the, well, yes and no. The the automobile manufacturer they're they're coming up with uh, presumably software in their cars that will repossess it with auto driving features if you do not pay your bill. Your car will leave your driveway and go somewhere That's because crazy. you didn't pay your bill, and they will, they're allowing remote disabling of features in the car. So if you're being like chased by the police, they could. You know, shut you down, shut you down, or whatever. What do you think of that, man? I don't like it. I do not like it. And I know that, like, a lot of people are like, it's good. It's good that a criminal, if a and I mean, part of me agrees. It's like, yeah, I guess if a criminal's running, I guess it is good if they stop them. But like, what if you're not a criminal? You know, what if you're not a criminal, uh, is that good? Because they can do it. They can still do it. You know, just don't think that uh, opening Pandora's box. I just think that. Yeah. Once you open it, you can't you can't put the monkey back in the bottle. You can't put the monkey back in the bottle, man. Um, but if we could, I would like to. And I would like to shove that motherfucker deep back in there. And I'm talking like if you if you could if you had one genie wish and it had to be this wish, if you could either like continue the way things are or you could hit some kind of a switch and we go back to I don't know, like the fifties, okay. It techno technology wise, um, and we never progress past that. Would you do that? Mm. 
knowing the things that are coming, the things that are going to be really fucking hard to avoid at this point and that are Boy. seemingly not good. Boy. So I, listen, I, I don't know if the 50s is far back enough, by the way. Well, I, I have the problem of romanticizing shit. So when you say the 50s... Yeah, you're thinking... I think of like the... I feel like... You remember that movie uh, Pleasantville? Yeah. In the beginning of Pleasantville, everything's fucking... Toby. Leave it to Beaver. Toby McGuire. Yeah, man. Black and white. Yeah. Then that lady has an orgasm and the world's in color. And the world's in color. I I think... uh, Orgasm was the thing that tricked... I think it might have been. I don't remember. It's like everybody says that the 50s was a... If it was, that's... Was a great time in America. It was a time when, you know, people were becoming wealthy, like the middle class was becoming wealthy for the first time ever. Yeah. And uh, there were all kinds of conveniences that were available for the first time ever. It was pretty much the modern world, but but everybody was still getting used to it. And they make it out like it's pre- it was pretty cool, man. They make it out like it was pretty... Like, like dads were super hard on their kids and super conservative and, you you know, that kind of shit. But, you know, it's like... It's like you gotta... T- you know, there's, there's a give and take, man. What is the... So... Th- what is the recoil? What is the well, it's like, what are the consequences? Would you rather have Would you rather have a stern upbringing and uh, you know not be allowed to, I don't know, like be, smoke pot and do and whatever you know yeah. whatever 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 came in the sixties and seventies? Would you rather like live that way or would you rather live today with all of the pitfalls and s- social issues that we're dealing with? I don't know, man. You know, I would rather have. The 50s attitude. What about McCarthyism? That was the 50s, right? The Red Scare? Sign me up for some McCarthyism. (laughs) He didn't do anything wrong, dude. He was fucking right. He was right. Look at us now. He was fucking right. There were commies everywhere, and they took over the government. So it's funny you say that, because one of the things that Joseph McCarthy said was there's like a lot of Hollywood people that got brought into those those court cases. They're questioned. And... um, and what the fear was, was that you had these basically powerfully placed communists in society. They were a minority, a super minority, but they were in places where they could disproportionately influence people, like in media. I don't know if that was the case in the 50s, but it's definitely the case today. It was the case in the 50s. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And they... You know, we're walking on lines here. Mm. You know, the, those YouTube lines. Uh, if we had a bigger audience, we might get in trouble. But um, these people have... They, they, uh, they have certain things in common. All of them. A lot of them, anyways. Oh, I see, um, you, I see where you're going. And, yeah, you know... Uh, it's, it's hard not to notice, but you get in trouble for noticing, you know? Scott Adams got in trouble for noticing... You know, his own things. (laughs) That's a a thing. That's a thing on the internet. You're not allowed to notice. You're right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I, I really do. I don't think McCarthy did anything wrong. I think that he was like spot on. What if maybe some of the people. What's up? What if he was like, what if he was fucking spot on with every everything? So I think that maybe maybe some people who weren't really that involved got thrown under the bus more than they should have and things like that. But I think his general thesis was pretty fucking spot on. And the the fact that I honestly 
That's one of the things that I remember from my American history class, the McCarthyism section, mm-hmm. where they made him out to be the fucking devil. Yep. But he was fucking right. Listen, this this might be the one of these lines where you and I will differ, but in the McCarthy situation, it's like, uh, is it okay, or is it like worth it to have a couple sacrificial lambs, like a couple of people who shouldn't have been roped up and, and punished, if those people happen to get, they have to be, because we're not really sure how big to make this uh, lasso, is that worth it in order to cure the the culture, the society of those elements that are that are disruptive? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, obviously, if a I couple think, of innocent people have to die. I think that if, a, if things are per... What am I trying to say? That you want things to be as perfect as possible. You don't want to. But I also think that like if you're in the vicinity of it, you're and you're like going, you're getting shipped off to the gulag, you know, the Ameri- the, the capitalist gulags, um, you know, then you were probably fo- too fucking close to it, you know? And that that's how I feel about like that type of shit, man. Like um, I know too much about the shit that happened in Russia. I, I don't. They're not nice people, dude, you know, and I don't think that us trying to eliminate them from power is bad. I I don't think that's bad. I think that's good. I think that's pretty fucking based, and I think we should continue doing that. Root them out 100%. That's why when we were talking in uh, the last few podcasts about, like, debate and stuff like that, if you come to the table with that kind of shit— I think you need to get smashed. I think you need to be embarrassed. And um, and if you start trying to do more than just talking about it, then I think that we should start doing more than just talking about it, to be perfectly fucking frank with you. Mm. So that there's something... You know what that feels like to me? It feels like a paternal instinct. Because it's like, if there's a threat... like I, This is a stupid example, but let's suppose that uh, we live in... Um, an earlier time when we're living closer to nature. And there's real risks, like poisonous snakes. They're in the fucking, you know, they might slither in your hut and kill your child. They're out there. As a father, I'm killing every motherfucking snake I see. Gardener snakes, gone. <laughs> Mercilessly, I'm slub killing you. Every single snake I see, knowing, even knowing... That not all of them are poisonous, only a very small amount of them. Gardener snakes. My paternal instinct is smashing snakes anytime I see them. And I feel zero guilt about that. Yeah. Is this this is kind of like this is kind of like what you're saying. It's a it's a paternal, it's like when it's when you cannot when you cannot take a, uh, any slack, when you cannot take any risk, when it's that important. It's funny that you picked snake. And, you know, that's the Gadsden flag. It's like, I will tread, motherfucker. You get too close. I'm treading. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, so I'm with you, I, you know. Yeah, man. Fuck you, snakes. <laughs> Dude, I saw uh, when I was doing pest control, yeah. I was walking around people's houses and out in this area. Yeah. There's some fucking snakes, dude. Really? Yeah, like big one. Not, you know, n- not huge, but in, like in people's bigger houses? than I would have expected. Yeah. Like where, where, slithering where, around the base at the outside base of their houses up into like cracks in the foundation and shit. You never had to get them out of a house? Oh, no, we didn't do that. Okay. We did preventative stuff. We didn't do remote. Okay. Like, look, son, I could have stopped the snake from getting in, but it's it's in. It's somebody it's else's in. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you might want to move out. I saw them. I, I saw them like they'd be, uh, you know, 
slithering around at the base of the uh, the outside base of the house. And once I once they saw me, they'd like slither into some crack in the house oh, into Jesus. the house. It's fucking weird, man. Yeah, I wonder what kind of snakes they were. Um, but what were you talking? How we start talking about snakes? You were talking about treading on them. Well, on them uh, about having a parental instinct yeah, yeah. about protection. You know. Yeah, is that bad? No, I don't think it's bad. I think it's very necessary. And I think that it's one thing that can be taken, especially by a woman, because women don't quite understand. That's not true. They they have a very ruthless maternal instinct, by the way. Like mama bear. They oh, yeah. absolutely do. Maybe So maybe they do understand. Um, but, uh, but I think it's necessary. I think it's like uh, natural. It's like an instinct. And here's the thing. It can't be... It can't be um, a flaw of your personality or a flaw of your character if you have an instinct. You can't call it sexist, ra- racist, you know, whatever. You can't call it any of that if it's an instinct, you know, because you don't have any control over that. Yeah. What were we defending against? Like, what was the snake analogous to? How did we get there? How did we get to the snake? Let's, tra- re- let's retrace. I know we were talking steps. about like um, technology and well, like the, living back in time and well, when, when the I was talking when I was talking about the Papa Bear stuff, you were talking about. Um, you said uh, sometimes motherfuckers need to be owned. You brought up the oh, crucible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what we were talking about McCarthyism and the communists, that's, right, that's yeah. where we go. Breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. That's and where I, we go. I think that uh, snakes is a pretty good analogy for com- you know those type of Bolshevik communists. Those types of authoritarian leftist motherfuckers. I agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not. Not a fan. How do you feel about the naive ones that are really good-hearted that really think that it would They're, make things better and more fair, more? You know, what do you think? What do you think about those people that that are just naive enough that they don't look at? I the, don't have much much tolerance for like. You know, I don't think that I'm like super smart. I, you know, there was maybe a time in my life where I thought that I was smart, but I really don't think I'm smart anymore. Um, That's a sign of wisdom. You, you can, as, as your as your smart quota goes down, your wisdom quota that goes up. That being said, I don't have much tolerance for stupid people, um, and just because you're naive, I, I do a lot of biting my tongue. You know, so I, I guess I don't have as much. Like intolerance as I feel like I do, but I guess in my head I just like write people off. It's like you're fucking retarded. Yeah. Um, and that see, I'm about to like talk about somebody. I'm not gonna say their names. Yeah. Hopefully again like <laughs> last week. Uh, but uh, I don't think that this person is retarded. I actually have a lot of respect and I like this person a lot. But uh, we were ta- we were at dinner and uh, he was talking about Ukraine and he's obviously a very smart guy. He's informed. But I just like did it. I disagree with everything he said. You know, like he's smart, but he's wrong about everything. In a situation Um, like that, you keep your mouth shut. I just, yeah, you're a nice guy. I'm not going to argue with you. It's fine. So would it would it necessarily be an argument, or could you have like an actual? Could you like ask questions and say, but do you really think? Have you have you considered like that kind of stuff? He's not the type of guy who it's going to be like a heated argument. I think that he just wouldn't agree. I I don't think that I would be able to change his mind. I'm pretty sure that. The type of stuff that I would be saying to him would be so jarring that he just is like wouldn't be able to accept mm-hmm. it. I mean, I understand. I like it when you say shit like that. Yeah, and you do. There, there are times where I'm like, like I, I wasn't expecting it, not just from you, but like from anybody sometimes. And uh, I, I actually like like that about you. Then we can have a conversation, you know. 
Yeah. I just uh I I just try to call it like I see it, you know. Um and I don't even think you know, I don't think I have particularly interesting takes to be honest with you, but I think uh you know, it just I think you have interesting takes for, for like, I want to say the community that you, but that's not really the right way of saying it. You have interesting takes for who I would consider your peers. You know, like the circles that you are familiar ask, with. You're like and, you are my circle. It's like you and my brothers. Yeah, that's yeah. It. But it was like when we started this podcast, your circles were very different. Than what they are now. My life. Your circles of interest were very sure. different, and your influences were very different. Maybe your motivations were different. I don't know. Um, it's just interesting to see. Uh, yeah, the, the path having this podcast is interesting because my ideologies have changed a lot. Um, yeah. Certain things about it have stayed mm-hmm. the same, um, but there has definitely been radical changes too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, there was something that relates to that. I don't. Oh, I could ask you about this. Eh, no, I don't want to do that yet. Let me ask you about this. All right. Ask away. So, I've got young kids. I'll tell you what. What caused me to think about this is that my daughter, my oldest daughter, I think she's like way more advanced at her age than I was, and it's really amazing. Like the way she reads and writes at her age, it's really amazing. And I thought, she's a fucking genius. She's special, man. And then I kind of thought, well, she's your kid, so clearly, you know, yeah, yeah. she's got to be, you know, there's a little bit of vanity in there. Then um, she brings home this thing from school. It's like this paper heart. And all the kids in class wrote notes to her on it. And, like, most of the kids in class have better handwriting than her, neater, you know, at her age. And so it was the first time I realized, well, maybe she's not, like, Maybe she's not, like, the best in her class. And um, and I was wondering, like, she doesn't have a lot of practice writing. Like, she's only writing when she's in school. If she's here, she has zero opportunity to write anything. Mm. And, by the way, this whole school year, they told us at the beginning of the year, there won't be any homework this year. Did you hear me right? I don't know. There won't be any homework this year, they told me. I don't know that I actually think that that's bad, but I think that it's weird. It is weird. And specifically because she doesn't get the practice that you that you got. And you and my point is I wonder if she's not writing enough to get as good as her peers are with her with her handwriting. And then I think to myself, well they're writing less. She brings a laptop to school every single day yeah. and she's learning keyboarding. So for the kids in the next generation, texting and keyboarding are going to be their primary source of, of language. Yeah. Now that's a difference to every generation that's ever existed up until now. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's like, I don't know what that means, but here's, here's an interesting idea. You already know that cursive has basically gone away. Nobody does that anymore. I really don't even remember how to write in cursive. I what? don't, man. Really? Uh, yeah, like, I'm... Sh- no, I don't. Like, I could probably, like, you know, my signature is in cursive, but that's probably about all the cursive that I can really do. Okay. Well, so case in point. But you can imagine that my kids, even less, yeah, even less sure. adept. So cur- I, I could, like, scribble something out. But, like, it, yeah. it's definitely not, like, I would have to be, like, you know, yeah, like, thinking like about it. Like, what's a capital G look like again? Yeah. So, yeah, I get you. 
Um, so cursive is going to become like calligraphy is today, first of all. Yeah. Cursive is going to become something that you have to like. Calligraphy is cool, man. <laughs> it is cool. You're going to have to like seek out a skilled artist to do cursive at some point because no one's going to know how to do it anymore. I mean, computers will be able to do it. <clears throat> True. Computers will be able to do it. So here's, here's, here's the idea that I was tossing around. So imagine that writing kind of goes extinct. Yeah. People aren't, aren't handwriting. trained. Handwriting. People aren't trained to do it anymore because it's all keyboarding and texting and all that. Um, and with your mind. <laughs> with your mind. Um, let's see here. Never going to be my mind. I'm never letting that shit in, dude. Sorry, I don't mean to throw you off. Uh, no, no, no. So that's just that's just the idea in a nutshell. It's like, can you imagine writing writing disappearing as an art form, and it becomes something like hieroglyphics are today? It's like you know what a T looks like. You've seen it keyboarded. You've seen it in text of all different fonts. But you, you come across an ancient tome, and you're flipping through pages of a fucking paper book, and people are just like looking at it like it's hieroglyphics. Even especially cursive. It's hard to read cursive, even like for a regular person. I, I was thinking just a second ago when I said the computers will be able to do it, they shouldn't do it. Cursive is fucking stupid. I mean, you know, like I get there's something to calligraphy. Cursive is stupid. Like just regular typeface for me, please. Yeah, I wonder when that started. Is it like you know calligraphy became too hard, and so they wanted to make an easier version? Is that is that cursive? Well, imagine. You fucking sit down to write one of those, you know, you know how they spoke in letters back in the day. First of all, you're putting more thought into a letter back in the day than you are today. That's true. Showmanship. Um, yeah. And then you have to take the time to calligraphy that bitch. You know, that t- takes a minute to write that letter. It sure does. So they just simple it up with cursive a little bit. You yeah, know? I can see that. Loopy, stupid fucking letters that no one can read. How many letters do you think that got sent back then that were in some big, stupid fucking loopy cursive and the person who got it couldn't even read that motherfucker? Lots. No, it's like, I don't even send the letter, stupid. I don't, I don't get cursive, man. Like, I really think that that was a goofy choice. I just want, I just think, honestly, that in a certain number of generations, I don't know what number, but a certain number of generations, handwriting is going to be a lost art. I do think that me making that argument about cursive, though, that almost seems like the type of person who would be like, just do brutalist architecture. Like, Dave, we don't need these fucking steeples and spires and shit. Just yeah. blocks. Big yeah. fucking stupid blocks. Yep. Clean and lines. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something too cursive. I, yeah. need, to, I need to re-examine this. But. Well, anything worth doing, Kyle, is worth doing right. Worth doing well. I guess that's true. I, I, so when I think of, like, writing something, I think of the content as being valuable. I don't necessarily think of the the penmanship yeah but is like is like Shakespeare in print as good as beautiful cursive Shakespeare you know yeah I don't know man just like like figure out a way to make it a little better you know yeah little style little Little style pizzazz little pizzazz what did uh Rogan had that one dude as a director uh he does like um he did that King Arthur movie, but he does he, he does like a bunch of cool movies. Oh, uh, King Arthur was not particularly cool, I don't think. Yeah, what's his that guy guy's Ritchie. name? Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, he had a suit on when he came in, and he was uh, Joe Rogan was like asking him about the suit. He was like, "Yeah, I'd like to hit him with a little bit of a razzle dazzle." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Razzle dazzle. I mean, you know, I don't razzle dazzle that much with my outfits, but no. Got this nice. Uh, you know who does razzle dazzle? Who? Before we get too far away from racism, black dudes on Sunday, oh, man. Dude. Black he, dudes on Sunday. Peacocking like a motherfucker. They wear some suits, dude. Some yeah. b- beautiful suits. 
That's um, some pocket squares. So we were talking about things like IQ potentially, you know, the differences, racial differences in IQ and what that could be attributed to. Do you think that that tendency in the black men is uh, widespread enough to be like a trait? I think it, I th- well, this is funny, man. This is a weird one because I want it, my instinct is to say, no, that's a clearly an American, specifically an American phenomenon. But then as soon as I say that, as soon as I say Sunday black dude with the purple pinstripe suit and a hat with a feather in it, as soon as I say that is a, is a peculiarly American phenomenon, immediately I think of like a Maasai tribesman with a colorful kilt on and the, you know, the, the shield with all the oh, designs and the, all that stuff. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder, man. There's a status component to that, but there's also a, pe- a peacocking component. There's like a, a, a mating a mating ritual component where you're 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 you know you dress you dress brightly colored and flashy to attract females. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and like then there's um, um, go ahead, sorry. I just I would like to ask you a question, uh, so maybe we could get some clarity on this. Why do you do it, Mister Fucking Peacock, and matching your shoelace colors? Because you got it in you. Like, you got it from your brother who was, like, super influenced by, you know, the black community. Yep, yep. Uh, and it, you definitely got it. Way more than I got it. I definitely got it. You're right about that. Um, I don't. I think you have it less now than when yeah, you were younger. Yeah. I mean, you still like nice stuff. You you still like like looking good, but, like, it's not as showy as it used to be. Yeah. yeah. I still like a little, I still like a little, a little discreet pop, a little razzle-dazzle myself, yeah. you know? So I agree with you on that. Um, I do think my brother was the biggest influence in that regard. And my, my brother, f- for those people who don't know, um, you know, he, he grew up, he went to basically an all-black school and uh, all the way through from kindergarten until he was a teenager. So so his um, cultural identity is, is you know, very different from mine. I grew up in the suburbs, a very different situation. My, you know, my, my brother's like a... He has different influences than me. I'll put it that way. Um, but he, he he speaks jazz language. He speaks he speaks jazz <laughs> language fluently. So I uh, so, so <laughs> sorry about that, Josh. So um, but definitely uh, I took that influence from him because I look up to my big brother, which any little brother is going to do. Course, yeah. But also I think it had to do with uh, exactly what I said before: peacocking. Yeah. It was a. It was. It was the same thing a fucking turkey does in the woods when it sees. It's just walking around eating fucking berries, and it, and it sees a woman, and it will immediately puff up its body, put its fucking feathers out, and say, "Look at me." That's what I was doing with my fucking bright yellow hill figure jumpsuit or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, and my gold chain. Yeah, dude. It's that's all it is, man. It's 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 just trying to attract a mate, just like fucking um, you know any mammal, any animal will do. But you, you know. But the question still stands, do you think it's prominent enough in the black community for it to be like, I don't know, more of a, a trait? Boy. Well, I mean, there's a lot of I like, don't, I want to say no. I'm going to say no, because no, I'm going to I think it's a, hu- it's a human trait. I don't think it's specifically a black trait. And I'll tell you what comes to my mind. If you ever see those, uh pictures from like the Middle Ages or the Renaissance or, or whatever, where it's like, the, it's like King whatever of France and uh, and it's like frilly neck 
a frilly neck thing coming off of his, and he's got like a big puffy, and all the all the like the bright the fucking uh, uh, bright blues and purples and uh, fucking chevrons and fucking chevrons and fleur de lis and all that shit. Yeah. Th- those those people were fucking peacocking a- as much as any black dude on Sunday in in America. True. You know what I mean? If you had the money to do it, you were peacocking. The Pope peacocks like a motherfucker. Even 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 the people that lived in tribal areas, like you said. Big bones in the nose and the ears, and his bone. they were flossing as much as they could possibly floss, man. Yeah, true. If they had gator skin shoes, they'd be wearing them, but oh, yeah. they don't. They got no shoes. They got no <laughs> shoes most of the time. Most of the time, sometimes you see that they got like two liter bottles mm-hmm. strapped to their feet. You know, I got another message on Twitter from some African, some African looking for money. You know, like oh. my fat. I'm I am raising my. My fa- my parents are dead. I am raising my seven brothers and sisters. Please send money for some vegetables and rice. Things like that. All the time, dude. I get yeah. them all the time. Yeah. Have you ever gotten one of those yet? Um. Oh, well, on Twitter? Twitter, yeah. No, uh-uh. Yeah, man. No. All the time. Imbunjutu. I don't hang out with bots, though, on Twitter. You can't help it. I bet you do hang out with some bots. I probably, I probably talk know. to them. I probably have conversations with them, man. Yeah, dude. Arguments. Uh, did you ever get speaking of arguments? Did you ever get the uh, stream from um, no not the, yet from the Crucible? Still waiting. I'm curious. I I thought it was funny as fuck, man. I think um, you know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, I, listen, I, I'm I feel like there's probably a little bit of um, uh, I'm not going to be able to think of the word. Um, Reinforcement that I'm expecting when I listen to it because I already said, based on what little feedback we got from them already, it was ex- what exactly what I expected based on what I heard. So I expect more of that. Yeah. The the question I have is, is it in good humor? Is it or is it is it nefarious? If it's, you know what I mean. It nefarious. just it, it just depends on like the delivery and the sentiment and how it comes across and. That's going to make all the difference to me is how it comes across. So we'll see. If he, if we ever get it. I don't oh, we'll, we we'll get it eventually, I'm okay. sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, The idea of debating you on The Crucible is kind of interesting. You, brought, you, you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we, we could, uh, if that's something you're interested in, I could run it by Andrew. You never know. But the question is what? I'll be mean to you, dude. I'll I know. Be, I'll be fucking mean to you. And I'll probably laugh, yeah. but what would we debate about? What do we what do we disagree about enough, or what would we care to take the opposite uh, side on? We could argue psychedelics versus a traditional uh, a traditional religious perspective, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know if like we could. I think we could do like um, the resolution could be something like libertarianism is gay, and I will take the positive, and you'll take the negative. Um, something like that could yeah. work. Yeah, individualism versus collectivism. But I can't see you um, defending collectivism too much. Oh, I think you'd be surprised. Because because it, the conversation from collectivism to communism is like a nut hair away. Yeah, no, I'm, see, I, I'm not really opposed to, like, small commune type things, you know? It's that big... Centralized. Yeah, yeah, that's you, what You I, don't have a choice. I, I don't think that... Uh, the ideal type of lifestyle that I would like to live, I don't think you can really avoid communal, you know, things. I think that that's, that's going to go hand in hand with the type of life that yeah. I think is, like, ideal for humans. See, I don't think that's wrong. 
because that's what happens in a family. Mm, exactly. You know? And as you extend that family, there, there comes a point when it becomes unmanageable. And I don't know where that point is. Is, if, is it like a group of 10 households? Is, mm-hmm. is it a thousand people? You know? I don't know. I don't know. I think, as, I think as long as everybody is generally looking out for the best interest of everybody else, if they're selfless, you know, to the extent that they can be, and everybody's reciprocating, it, it works. But as yeah. soon as you have too many people that aren't on board or trying to take advantage or whatever. And I think that the way to avoid that is to have it be more locally located. You know, that way I know that lazy ass Frank isn't doing, you know. Yeah. And I don't think that you, I, I, I don't think that you let Frank starve to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I also think that there are other ways to, you know, people respond to incentives and, um, that they do, you can, you can tighten the screws on Frank some way or another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that it's more likely that that type of a system is going to be effective if it's, you know, your street, you know, that that you're doing that with. Yep. When you get too far removed from the people that aren't pulling their weight, that's when it gets fucked up. For sure. It's hard enough to confront somebody you, you know. So now you can see how I I think I could pretty easily defend the idea of a collective. Yeah. If you're talking about a smaller collective. Yeah. Um, when you get to larger collectives, that's all pretty gay, and I'm not a fan of it. Um, you know? Yeah. It's like, how, how do I take a... That's like... I think that... This kind of balkanization is inevitable. I think that uh, people are going to split up into smaller groups where they're choosing the, I don't know, the things that make you a part of that group. You know what I mean? Uh, I just think that, you know, ideas and opinions and worldviews are too varied right now. I just think, I, I don't think that people are like capable of getting along for much longer, to be honest with you. Scary man. I have a. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that it is. It could be. You could know? be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't think it has to be either. I have a. I, I have a neighbor uh, who works in cybersecurity, and he talks about China as though war with them is inevitable, and it's it's very scary. Like the Chinese are, they do some really weird shit. Like a lot of IP theft, you know, um, intellectual property theft, a lot of a lot of stealing of technology. And um, they also do a lot of things like buying up a lot of uh, natural resources anywhere they can in places like South America and, and you know Asia and Africa, Africa places yeah. like that. Um, and they and they manipulate their currency in ways that nobody's allowed to know about. So uh, it's they do some really really shady shit. And uh, yeah, they do. And um, I just think that like how much of that stuff are we also doing? Yeah, it's also true. Yeah. Scary, man. It's scary to me. Yeah. I don't... The world is fucked up, man. Um, I've said this a bunch, and I don't like to be, like, the catastrophizer, but I just think that things are... They they just can't keep doing this forever, you know what I mean? It's... uh, They're spinning all these fucking plates. Eventually, the plates are going to start falling. Um, And I don't know how bad that's going to be. 
Um, it might be good, you know. Um, but I definitely think there's there's going to be there's going to be some kind of a rough transition to get through eventually. But and when plates start falling, you know, you don't know who's going to be the person to pick up the plate and put the put it back up there and start spinning it again. You know, so that could be really bad, just depending on who that is. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, it just it just seems to me to be. <laughs> it's just to me to be an issue that governments buy for power with one another and influence with one another rather than just living their fucking lives, man. Like, if we could just be a country, safe and secure by ourselves, trading and, and uh, trading with the world and, and interacting with the world in all the ways that we do now, but without having to worry about somebody stepping on our toes, without having to worry about losing influence in a certain part of the world, without having to worry about somebody else, you know, breaking the rules. And because we do have to worry about those, we justify all kinds of outrageous shit, like having, like spending tremendous amount of money on, on having military influence in the world that I don't understand in the slightest and then people will say but if we stop doing that then we're going to all of these catastrophic things are going to happen then china's be going to become the world superpower then they're going to be able to influence the countries that are our, our allies and next thing you know they can say whether fuel prices of the united states are a hundred dollars a barrel or a thousand dollars a barrel and we don't want that so we have to keep military presence all over the world it's like fuck man why can't we just be what we are and get along for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, I think that there's... I think that there's probably less preventing us from doing that than they the, than they would like you to think. You know, like, they want you to think, oh, if we pull out, then it's going to be a disaster. Um, things would change, but I don't know that it would be a disaster. I think that um, us... Us lessening our influence worldwide could be like uh, counteracted by things that we do here. And just because we are like pulling our like military influence out around doesn't mean that we're pulling our trade influence, our, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Diplomatic influence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I think that that's the kind of stuff they want you to think so that they don't ever have to do that. You know, like, oh, if we stop, everything's going to fall apart. I, I would, I would be pushing that too. So you notice, you notice when fear becomes the driver, always suspicious of that. Oh yeah. Like, well, we can't do that because end of the world, you know, I'm always suspicious of that. For sure. All right. I've got a topic for you. I want to bring up before it gets too late. I was telling you when you got here that I was watching, flipping through various streaming services trying to find something to watch. I was bored. And I got into one of those ruts where just fucking nothing, nothing was just good. Everything sucked. And then finally I was like, fuck this. If there's nothing good on the services I pay money for, I'll go over to YouTube where it's free and I'll type in exactly what I what I want to learn about and I'll watch something. So I ended up going into this Zoroastrian rabbit hole on YouTube um, because I'm always, I've been very intrigued by the religion. It's a very, very ancient religion. It's where they worship Zorro. It's where they worship Zorro. Uh, and Anthony, what is his name? Antonio Banderas. No. Um, so I've talked, I've talked about Zoroastrianism many times before, but just to refresh the audience's memory, this is a religion that comes from ancient Persia. Um, it's famous for some 
reasons. Um, one of them is it had a huge influence on Judaism and Christianity. People, people who are Christians or Jews will know that the Jews were captive in Babylon, uh, what it was like 500 BC. At the time, the empire was Zoroastrian. And that religion was in, influenced the Jews in lots of ways. So prior to Judaism or uh, the, the Jews being captive in Babylon, there was no heaven and hell in Judaism. There was only the land of the dead, like you see in most world religions. Sheol, they called it, the land of the dead. There was, there was no dynamic of God versus the devil the way we see in, in the Bible narrative, Old and New Testament today. That comes from Zoroastrianism. Um, and the idea of a end of days, the idea of an Armageddon, of a, of, a, of a final battle, good versus evil, that comes from Zoroastrianism. All these components that we think are Christian or Jewish, they aren't. We, we borrowed them for, from Zoroastrianism. All that stuff's very interesting to me about, about it. Another thing that's interesting about it is when, when we read the, the New Testament and the nativity story of Jesus, the wise men that come to see Jesus from the east, they're called the Magi. The Magi are Zoroastrian priests. That's what they were called, Magi. So you've got not only this shared tradition between Zoroastrianism, Judaism, and Christianity, but you have this link when Jesus is born as the Messiah, and the only people on earth that recognize it are these Magi from Persia. Very interesting stuff. Um, okay, so I learned something new about them I didn't know, and this kind of blew my mind. I want to I want to talk to you about this. They have a creation story like any religion does, and it's kind of interesting. So the way they lay this out is, in the beginning, there's these two forces, Ahura Mazda, which is God, basically, and um, Angramanyu, or Ariman, which is the devil. So you, you have these two forces. You have this force of good, and you have this force of evil, light and darkness and they can't interact with each other they're just in this like suspended animation for infinite stretches of time and then at some point god decides to create the earth so he creates the earth in between these forces of light and darkness it's in the middle of the earth and when that happens angramanyu goes into the earth and when he does then ahura mazda can actually interact with them. Okay. And the way they the way they tell this story is that you have this god of good and you have this god of evil essentially and they can't interact with each other. When God creates the earth, it's as a trap. It's as a trap for the devil. Once okay. once he goes into it, he can't leave it. He's stuck. And we have these traditions in Christianity. This is probably will ring familiar to you tell me if I'm wrong that the earth belongs to the devil. You've heard that? Yep. It's the devil's dominion. And also that when um, that we have this, this image of uh, like the morning star, which is what we call Lucifer, crashing to earth. Like, like the angels came crashing to earth from heaven. We have this, this idea as well. Um, this comes from this creation story from Zoroastrianism. The earth is a trap. And here's the, great, the greatest part. You've got the forces of good. You have people like you and I that are embodiments of God. We're Ahura Mazda on earth battling the devil, battling Angramanyu because he can't leave. We're here generation after generation after generation just chipping away at him. We're the, we're the army of God on earth just doing battle generation after generation. And um, where was it going? There was something else I wanted to add to that.
shit. I don't know. But it all leads up to uh, the, the final Armageddon battle where good finally conquers evil. And some of this fits really neatly into a Christian, Judeo-Christian story. Some of this fits very neatly in. We can see some of these ideas are already there. But it's a very different way of thinking about it, that the devil gets trapped on earth and that we are... <clears throat> oh, that's what I wanted to add. How do we chip away at the, at the devil? According to Zoroastrian, it's, it's through good thoughts, good deeds, and good words. And, and we just do that enough until the devil is defeated. I don't know. I might be sneezing. No, he's going to sneeze. Nope. I think it's going away. So we, we hear about, like, human beings be, like, you know, like, I don't know what language they use, but you, but you know what I mean. Like, we're told that we're warriors for God and that we're constantly at war with these forces of evil and that are... So I think that... I know what you're saying. Um, I do think that the conception, to my understanding, is a little bit different in Christianity. It's that, um, you know... God created, I think if I have this right, I think that God created the angels first. You know, the angels were already around when he created us. Uh, and God created us in his image. And, you know, it was, so God created the angels with some kind of like outright divinity already you know the angels were already angels but us we started out as these like lowly beings but we could become greater than even the angels because we're made in his image you know we can achieve theosis we can become you know a part of god or i i don't know the best way to describe it but uh we can become greater than the angels um and that enraged satan because he's prideful and you know uh, that is what caused him to rebel, uh, came down to earth. And it's not so much that we're like chipping away at him. It's that he is trying to corrupt as many of us as possible so that, you know, like he hates us, mm -hmm. you know, because we're chosen. We're what God, we, God gave us that special status of being able to like participate in his energies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so the devil is just trying to ruin as many of us as possible to keep us from that. Yep. So I'm not sure how different that is from yeah. this idea, this Zoroastrian idea. Um, but that's part of why I think it's so interesting is because I never, even though we tell some of the same stories, we use some of the same language, I never really thought about that idea of the, of the devil being trapped here. Like e evil only exists with human beings. I say that all the time. It's like where evil is trapped is within us, not within the earth, but within us specifically, you know? Um, I just think it's interesting. I wondered what you have to say about that. Um, I don't think that evil is... I don't think that it emanates from us. I do think that it is external to us. Um, yeah. I think it affects us and we can act it out, but I do think that it is external. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I noticed you using some orthodox language there, and I've, I'm picking up on it now because I've been I've been listening to the uh, to some of these people that you've introduced me to. Yeah. Um, that whole idea of, the, of uncreated energies is interesting. I, I have some questions about that. Uh, well, I guess we can. Talk I don't understand it that well, so I'm not the greatest person to ask. But I like talking about it. I, I like I like talking about it, but I particularly like listening to people who understand it. 
better than I do talking yeah. about it. So I've been listening to uh, David Patrick Harry. That's his name, right? David Patrick Harry yep. of the Church of the Eternal Logos. I told everybody about that last time. Um, and he talks. He talks about that uh, a bit. How you liking that show? I like it a lot. Um, I like it a lot. My favorite so far was his conversation with Buck Johnson. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though I listened to a bunch of the Logo series that he did, which are really cool, especially the ones he does about um, pre-Socratic Greek philosophers and and like up and up until like the Middle Ages. Once it starts getting in, you know, too far into the modern period, I lose a bit of interest in it. Um, but it's been it's been really interesting, and I've got an episode coming out. I'm going to talk about it there's, um, more. There's a great episode that he did. It's I think it's just like a part. It's like a clip from an episode, um, but. He was talking to a fella named E. Michael Jones. Uh, they were talking all about Logos and the history of Logos and Logos, whatever. E. Michael Jones says Logos, and he was the first person I really heard talk about it deeply. So I just always say Logos. Um, but the you know, like how that developed mm-hmm. in Greek, it, you know, uh, it's just really interesting, man. It is really interesting. And he one thing he said is that he was talking about different civilizations and different traditions that like almost developed it almost had that idea but didn't quite get there and he said that uh that like logos through time is like a train like if you're not at the station at the right time when the inspiration it'll leave and you won't get it you know um very interesting i i think that the Taoists have something very similar to this idea yeah because Um, because when he talks about the greeks he talks about uh, Heraclitus in particular, he says that Heraclitus's idea of, of the Logos was of this principle of divine order. And so what that means is the order that, whatever it is that generates order, the order that you see in language, the order that you see in form and being, the order that you see in math, the order that you see in geometry, that all the order that exists within us and within the cosmos, yeah. that that's Logos. Yeah. And, and, um, I forgot where, where what you said first before I was started. Uh, there was connected to something else I was going to say. Um, fuck. Lo, that like in history, the movement of logos through history. You know, some people almost developed it, but they didn't quite get there. Yeah, divine order, language. Well, the connection anyway. The connection to language is is and the order is, is what. Uh, carries it through to uh, John, who says, you know, when he says the word yeah. in the Bible, that being Logos. In that video uh, with E. Michael Jones, he talks about, so Paul was in Ephesus, I believe is where he's talking about, because uh, I think it's I think it's Ephesus. It's either that or it's Antioch. I can't remember which one. It's one of those two. Um, I think it's Ephesus, though. Uh, so he's up there, and he's, you know, trying to spread the gospel trying to spread christianity and he gives this speech and he's telling them not to worship worship false idols not you know um and it doesn't land like you know paul uh well this is michael jones contention that anyways he gives them so when you're trying to evangelize you kind of have to and this is true with anything if you were out there trying to spread any ideas you have to know how to sell it to the to your audience, yep. you know, you have to have a good narrative. Uh, you listened to that uh, podcast I did with Jason, yeah. Uh, and remember when he talked about the Nancy Pelosi hammer story? Uh, remember, yeah. Um, that 
you know, the story was, the official story is that it's like some, some guy broke in and it's like this weird scenario, but it, the, the, you know, the counter story to that, which was a better story, was they're gay lovers. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. that took off. They had yeah. to stop talking about it. Yeah. Um, so you have to know how to sell a story to a group of people. And Michael Jones, Michael, E. Michael Jones' contention is that Paul went there and he didn't nail it. You know, he was talking to these Greeks, basically, like they were, you know, the people from the place where Paul was from, you know. Uh, but the Greek way of thinking was more developed already. You know, like the things that the, the ideas that the Christians were spreading in their land, the Greeks had already like come to, you know, like through Plato and stuff like that. If you go to a people, the people who know Plato and Aristotle and you tell them you can't reduce all the, the meaning into a statue, you know, like the statue is nothing. They know that they're, they're past that shit already. Yeah. Um, so again, E. Michael Jones contention is that Paul didn't hit the mark and that John noticed that and that that, that you know, in the beginning was the Logos and the, you know, oh. that that was him being like, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to tell you in your language what this is. I like that, yeah, yeah. dude. Isn't I that like good? that. Yeah, Michael Jones is a motherfucker. God man. damn, that's good. A lot of people um, poo-poo the Gospel of John because yeah. it's because it's the latest written mm-hmm. and because it, it's not written like any of the others. And it's my favorite. It's yeah, my it's fucking favorite, man. Yep, it's a good one. It's kind of a dude. That's really that's really good. Yeah, dude. E. Michael Jones. Like I said, he's a motherfucker. He is uh, the guy you bought me a to- a tome of his called the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. That's who so that was. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got some controversial ideas. To I, I mean, I'm all on board mm-hmm. for those controversial ideas, but again, not allowed to notice. Yeah. You can't notice. E. Michael Jones fucking notices. Yeah. He's a noticing motherfucker. Good. Good stuff. E. Michael Jones is great. So I, I did notice when I was listening to David Patrick Harry, I noticed a handful of contradictions. And I'm going to bring them up. Um, I probably won't do it. I won't, I won't bring them up here necessarily, or I won't do a good job of doing it. But when I do the episode that I'm planning on doing, I'm going to talk about it. And I, and I have absolutely no desire to point them out like... Gotcha. Gotcha. Is, yeah, yeah. Absolutely no desire. But that's exactly what I would like to talk to him about, you know? Yeah. Those things. Um, David Patrick Harry, he he will do debates. He's been on The Crucible, but he's a really nice guy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going out of his way to be argumentative with people. Um, he does seem like he knows what he believes, yeah. and... Um, I would like to. I would love to see you guys. I would. Talk. I would love to pick his brain about that because because he comes from the same place that I come from. Yeah. With that. With that sort of psychedelic awakening, and he says like the way he connects it to Christianity is exactly the way I do. And even he says when the psychedelic spirituality says, or I would say the mystic experience says, all is one. And then Jesus turns around and says, love your neighbor as yourself. In David Patrick Harry's words, he says, there are similarities. And I'm like, yes, there are similarities. And he says, and yet the difference is. And so he has, a, he has something to say about, about the psychedelic revelation being different from the Christian one that I do not see. I don't see the distinction. So that's what I'd like to talk to him about. Like, you know, he, he kept saying that, we worship the creator, not creation. And that's why people like Heraclitus and the Stoics in particular, who believed they were pantheists, basically, who believed that God is everything, that God is the cosmos. 
um, that that oh shit I lost my thread lost my thread it's going somewhere with that hmm he splits from them I mean do you know how he splits from them is that where you were going no well he does split from the stoics um he doesn't believe that he yeah that's right worship worship creator not creation yeah because he he makes a distinction there like in his mind it's not possible for creator and creation to be one thing which is what the mystic experience t- told him and he believes everything is one so why can't creator and creation be one that's one sort of angle i'd like to talk about with him um so i don't know but and there are more but that's just one yeah his his uh, his insistence that like he says beautifully by the way, in fact I might be able to read it verbatim if I can find it. Um, let's see, he says beautifully this thing about psychedelics here. Uh, hold on, as soon as it pops up, I'll tell you. David Patrick Harry is a like particularly well spoken you know, highly educated, just like oh. a wealth of information. He's great. Uh, I also love, I don't know, you've been listening to this stuff. Have you just been listening to it on YouTube? If you like glance at the screen at all? Yeah. I, yeah. So he does this thing like, cause he live streams most of his stuff, um, which is again, something that I would like to start doing. Um, and you know, one thing that people do when they live stream is they play like just something in the beginning so that like the audience can build up. Mm. Um, and he plays this kind of, uh, I don't know. It's like ortho beats is what oh, it's yeah, called. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's got the, f- the footage of the Orthodox churches. It's fucking I saw that. beautiful. Yeah. Man. Like the aesthetic for orthodoxy is just so much better than yeah. a lot of other, you know, branches of Christianity. So I saw that and I just, Fast forwarded right through that shit. So let me read this to you. He says this, David Patrick Harry says, what psychedelics do is dissolve cognitive boundaries. The boundaries between you and another person, between you and the tree outside, between you and the dead. It's perceived that you can see the world as it really is. This dissolution of boundaries lead people often to aggrandize themselves as divinity. Once all these boundaries go... What's left is your experience and the realization of a spiritual reality. He says, if I am accessing this, it must be that the universe gains its personhood through me. And so I am the universe made man. Stop right there. Now you can see the the similarity between I am the universe made man and Jesus saying, I am the word made flesh. Right? I'm God made flesh. And that's exactly what psychedelics says, according to him. I am the universe made man. I am God made man. I believe that those are, that those are exactly, we're, we're saying exactly the same thing. I am the universe made man, which I believe is a, is a truth that we can't argue with. But you are not the word made flesh. I think I am, and I think I could. That argue, is where you. That is, that is definitely where you differ. I think I could argue with David, well, with David Patrick Harry's own logic that that is the, the case, because to his own logic, the logos is the ordering principle, the divine order of nature, to which we are modeled. So I am made of the same order that the universe is made of. That is the logos that Jesus is supposed to embody. How is that different from you and me and every man who's ever lived? 
Um, how how are you different from Jesus? How am I? If if I am an embodiment of the logos, and Jesus is an embodiment of the logos, what is the difference? Is what I'm, is what I'm trying to say? Um, I, I don't. I don't know how to answer that question. Really, I, I mean, it seems. It seems like Jesus is like literally like he's not a representation of it. He's not. Um, he's not. Yeah, I see what you mean. He's like literally it. He's the truth. And he says it right here. There is an objective boundary here, and he means between God and man. And I don't. I don't believe that. It, I, I do in a way. So that's what we we you know. So when you are using language, when you are using narrative, when you are using logic, that is you, you're like channeling the Logos. Yeah, participating in, he would say, yeah. Whereas that is what Christ is. That is, that is what he has always been from the beginning of time. The, the principle, the organizing principle in the world. Um, and you are not that. You are acting that out you are like utilizing it like a tool you know what i mean yeah i i don't think so the way i see it the way i see it is if there is a logos that exists outside of its representation which i believe and i think david patrick harry would would agree with because there's no difference really between the logos and god in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god Logos is God, so mm. if there's a if there's a God uh, above and be uh, you know the universe pre-existing it, then that order cr- creates the is responsible for the creation of the universe and everything in it. The logos is translated throughout that whole process, all the way down to me, and even and even beyond. I and 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 if Jesus had to exist as a human being, he was also an embodiment of the logos. I can't see a difference. Now, cr- traditional Christians would argue he didn't have a father. He was an immaculate conception. And that's a different argument to me. Like, okay, we can go down that line if you want to. You know, if what, if what separates me from Jesus is that he didn't have a father, okay. But we're both logos. I, don't, I can't see a way around that. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I do see, I see some kind of a separation. I don't, um, and I... I don't know how to make it any clearer, though. I, and I, I, I get you, man. I wonder what he would say to that. That's I just wonder what he would fucking say to that. I would wonder if, like, you know, like if we were to tag David Patrick Harry in this, like, would he be listening to me? Be like, this dude is just completely wrong. That is not what I would say at all. Um, but I do think that there's something to that. That like, I, I don't know. That you... Let me let me read the last bit of this because this this illustrates some of that contradiction I was telling you about. So when he says here that um, I am the universe made uh, made man, he says this is the general belief in a lot of psychedelic spirituality. It self-aggrandizes who we are. So he's saying it makes us it makes us believe we're more than we are, which is sort of what you're saying. I say I'm God, and you say don't be so quick to say that. And then he goes on. He says, but at the same time, in orthodoxy, we believe we are the epitome of creation. So he's like, he's even stepping back and saying. You know, is Jesus the epitome of creation or are we? In orthodoxy, we say we are. And he says... Jesus is God. 
But you're the epitome of creation. I mean, you know, it's triune, so it's kind of confusing uh, sometimes. But uh, I, I think Jesus is not a part of creation. Jesus is God and was not created. He's eternal. Yeah, you say that. And I would say the part of Jesus that's uncreated is the Logos. Jesus was created. That's what Jesus is. Yep. Okay. If a flesh and blood man is made of Logos, is manifest on the earth as Logos, and I am a flesh and blood man, what is the difference? Was, um, was I not manifested from Logos? And if so, what was I man? What? How does that? How is that? I don't. So I don't know how to you know, verbalize the difference off the top of my head. But to me, the difference seems clear. I don't know. That seems to me there's some kind of delineation there. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not an Orthodox scholar. I don't really like want to be um, acting like I know anything about it. I don't. Yeah, um, I know. I know. And I don't want to put you on the spot. I just... uh, but I mean, I'm not afraid to talk about it, but I just like anybody who listens to this, like, don't think that I know what I'm talking about. I'm just interested and I'm, you know, fe- you know, I'm like feeling it out. Um, but I think that there's something to what I said about the fact that Jesus was not created and that you were created. Um, you know, and that him becoming flesh, I don't know, it like gives you, I don't know, it gives you like more of an ability to act it out maybe, to to utilize it. Um, so he says it bridges the human realm to the divine realm, that without Jesus's existence, we wouldn't have a bridge. And I've heard that before, but I don't really understand what it means. Yeah. Let's put the video back up. Um, hold on. I want to see if there's one other thing here okay. about theosis. Oh, that that is kind of where I was going, too, is, um, you know, through the process of theosis, yeah, I think that Jesus becoming man makes that possible. That, uh, that the process for us, that theosis process, that Jesus becoming man makes that possible. See, I think that's also a crucial difference between my perspective and the Orthodox perspective, or mine and David Patrick Harry's perspective, is I think that we're, I want to say that we're born divine. But what I mean is even before we were born, we were divine. We're, there is no such thing as anything mundane or or um, profane. Everything is divine in my mind. It's kind of a pantheist that way. Um, and, he, and he says that we have to kind of earn it. Theosis is... is to become God, basically, and I'm saying we're already we're already God, and he and he's saying we have to become God. That's a pretty interesting difference between my perspective and his, and that would be something interesting to talk about. Yeah, I like my natural inclination is definitely to lean more towards you have to become it, um, as opposed to you just are it, because. I don't know, you're not, you know, like when you, before you realize, before you start working and figuring that stuff out, you're not, you know, you, um, I don't know. It, I don't know. I don't know either, but I can, um, I can remember like when my kids were born and they were brand new, they haven't earned anything. And that's the most sacred object. When you're holding that baby, it's the most sacred object you can imagine. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, 
I would put that newborn infant closer to the divine than I would myself, you know? So I don't know what that means. I mean, I definitely see what you mean, but I don't know. Maybe it has to do with, like, the purity, you know? They haven't... And the unprogrammed, like, something about the openness and, like, the receptivity and the potential. All that stuff just... Those are associations to me that circle around this idea of God. They're closer to the source, you know? Closer to the source. But this idea of theosis is interesting, and I would like to talk about that more. I'd like to understand it better. I think it's weird because it exists to his own uh, mind only in orthodoxy. This idea of theosis doesn't exist anywhere else in Christianity, and it's an interesting idea that that you can, theosis means to become God. So that, like, he explains the orthodox perspective as um, living, acting out, embodying the uncreated energies of God, which he simply talks about as things like logic, love, mercy, compassion, humility, all all that kind of stuff. And that those things don't exist unless you act them out. So it's something, it's a practice. You have to act them out in the world. You have to embody them so that they become real. And I think that's cool. And he's saying that when you do that, every embodied action is the action of God, basically. It's, a, it's actually be participating in God. That's very fucking cool. And there's seemingly some level above that, which is theosis. So you've heard, I'm sure, that you know people who have become saints, some of these people perform miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Do you think that there's something to the idea that, I don't know, I, see, I want to say that, like I was saying earlier, before you start thinking about these kind of things, it's like you're not God until you realize that you are. And and maybe, I think it probably takes more than realizing. I, I like think what it, you just said there. Go ahead, sorry. I, I just think that it probably takes more than just realizing it. It takes action. It takes participating in those energies, mm-hmm. doing the work. You're not just going to like... You know, I, I, this is how I feel. You're not going to have a mushroom trip and then realize that you're God to the point where you can do miracles. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and, dude, uh, eight years ago, I would not entertain the idea that a saint could perform a miracle at all. Now, I don't think that it's unrealistic at all. Um, I don't uh, know. I don't know how I feel about that, if yeah. I'm being frank. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I mean, like I said, just a few years ago, I would have been like, no, that's stupid. Now I don't think it's necessarily stupid. I, I want to believe in in the reality of miracles like the way I want to believe in aliens or Bigfoot. Like that, mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it that way, but it's like I want it to be real. But I, if you put if you put me in a corner, I'd be like, eh. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna err on the side of caution on this one. I don't I think it's bullshit. Yeah, and I'll tell you what really gets me about this is I told you twice before we talked about Rudolf Steiner and I was reading that guy he's like an occultist guy and he's a, he, but he's a philosopher and he's a smart guy and he said some interesting things and he believes that there's a spiritual um, component to our reality that we have lost touch with we don't exercise it and so we don't it's like we've lost the ability you know um, and it's it's not like riding a bike is something you can lose um, and he talks about people who see auras, people who see colors glowing around around people. And you only hear that shit from like woo-woo hippie people nowadays. But he talked about that and other things. Like these are, these are f- abilities 
that you can that you can learn how to how to do by practicing your spiritual exercising your spiritual faculties and there are things that we don't do anymore because we don't really believe in spiritual faculties but if you fucking know that they're that they exist and you practice them that you can actually develop abilities that you, that are supernatural we would call supernatural and there's something about that I want to be true so badly that I that I don't entirely brush that off and would miracles fall into that would healing supernatural healing like we see in the bible fall into that category probably could I don't want to believe that that's complete false because I fucking think it would be cool if it were real so I don't know what to, cool. I don't know what more to say about that yeah um but I don't know I guess if you are skeptical on the idea of miracles that's not really a good argument uh, I was gonna say it's like you are not God until you realize you are and then I think it takes more than just realizing. I think you have to do some work. Um, but if you, I don't know, I, I think if you can get yourself to the point where you can commit miracles, I, I think that um, there's something to the idea of you're not God and then you can you can become a part of God. You, you know, you can, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, There was something you were saying there that I was going to grab a hold of and now I can't remember. Um, I don't think that you are ever... Oh, I know what I was going to say. The totality of God. You know, like God... Jesus is not the totality of God. You know, like it's... It's a... It's more one in many, you know? Yeah. Um, So you definitely aren't. Um, and I think that, I think that some of the stuff, some of the I am God stuff is maybe it's like people getting a little big for their britches. You know what I mean? Well, it, I, I, listen, I think that's fair. And David Patrick Harry said the same thing. Um, I want to, I want to say there's two, I don't know if you want to call them revelations, but there's two messages that I received from psychedelic mystical experience. The first one is, I am God. So when when you say recognizing that you're God, like you're not you're not God until you realize that you're God. I I understand that feeling because I was there because all my life I've been not God. I've been just a just a regular you know speck of you know mode of dust in the cosmos. Um, I never thought of myself as anything more than that. When I had a mystical experience, I realized that I am God. Yeah. And then the subsequent experiences told me something else. It told me that the the magical world that I experience in mystical experience, that the that the supernatural reality that I never could have anticipated that I was so, you know, uh, impacted by in that experience is the world I exist in that the difference is an illusion and that what I need to do is learn how to have that mystical feeling in my day-to-day life. And I haven't been able to do that. I haven't been able to accomplish that yet. But Start s- and shrooms, bro. No, no. It sounds to me like what you said about needing to do works, needing to participate, needing to, to carry that into the world in order to make it real. 
And that's what I'm trying to figure out how to do. I don't know what that means. Become orthodox. <laughs> I'll go to church with you. I told you. I want to. I'd like to see it. Fucking A. We're not, we're not doing the podcast tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, well, we should go sometime, though, for sure. I would love to go back to the one that I went to that was, like, legit. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's something to the thing that I said. that it, It's been sticking in my head that there's something to the difference that Jesus was not created. You were created. I think that there's something to that. I don't know what it is. I need to, like, put, you know, figure that I need to, you know, chew yeah. that one a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I'm chewing on it right now. Like, I, I'm thinking if, going back to this idea of the Immaculate Conception, if that means that whatever the Logos is, by its own will, transfigured itself into into material form and walked among us. I don't know what the, I don't know. I'm just I'm just holding on, I'm thinking this through. It's trippy, bro. <laughs> it's real trippy. If, if that's the difference between Jesus and any other man, any other human being, then what I guess what I'm saying is that the difference between Jesus and any other human being is that its physical body wasn't made wasn't made through the standard methods, but was manifest directly somehow from in some unexplainable supernatural way. That's the difference between Jesus and any other man that doesn't seem like enough. I don't think it's... I don't. Th- I think you're concentrating too much on the baby in the womb. You know, the, the aspect of it becoming flesh. And I'm concentrating more on the fact that it's always been... You know, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you that like the method of how it becomes flesh. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't know, and, and I'm sure there is some significance to that. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm just more referencing the fact that it has always been how it came into the flesh is not. Yeah. The important aspect. I, I see of what it. you mean. So I think where I would disagree with you and with David Patrick Harry is that I believe that the spirit, the soul that imbo- that inhabits us. Is, is uncreated and eternal. That our soul is God, full stop. I believe that. The same soul in you and me and everyone else listening right now, that's what I believe. Uncreated and eternal. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to think about that either. I mean, I... I don't know. Like, you know, I, again, I, I'm not like a, an orthodox scholar. I don't know uh, what to say. I, I don't know if the soul, if your soul is for is eternal. You know, maybe it is, maybe, you know. But then there is still some distinction, like, that you are you. You know, your soul is maybe eternal, but I, I, I don't know. It's hard. These things are hard to talk they about. They are talk about. Yeah, they are. And David Patrick Harry did. He said... Something about the ego. He said that the ego, that a psychedelic spirituality tells you that the ego is false. The thing that you identify with. And so you have to destroy the ego in that ego death experience that you have in psychedelics. And then what you're left with is not a self, but an experience and a, and a recognition of it being non-material. Which I think is all true. I think he gets it. I think he gets it. And what what baffles me is that he gets it and doesn't agree with me about certain things. And I, I want to know 
where the divergence is. I want to know. Man. What do you think the chances are that um, you get some kind of understanding on this and you're like, oh shit, orthodoxy is right? If Listen, I'm open to that. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm I would explore it. I'm praying for you, brother. <laughs> I would explore it. You know, the only thing I'll tell you about this whole orthodoxy thing is like I... Um, I didn't have the same appeal. It didn't have the same appeal. It didn't shine out at me to call me forward. Although maybe this whole thing is what is that. Maybe this whole Could thing be. is that. But I did have an experience with Catholicism that was sort of like that. It start, I told you it started off with that one service I went to, mm-hmm. and I told you all the things about it that were appealing to me: the ritual, the imagery, the symbolism, the, all that stuff. Do we got to pick a Sunday? You know, in the next like month to go to that Russian Orthodox Church. We that should would be awesome. We could do. We could do a podcast on it. Yeah, go to church, do a podcast. Go to church, do a podcast. Um, yeah. All right, we're at two hours. You want to? All right, all you cool cats and female cats. Again, <laughs> it's time for us to wrap this show up. But um, I keep meaning to fucking do this at the beginning of the show. We have to fucking start doing this at the beginning of the show. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that little fucking bell so you get notifications when our shows come on. Like. Comment, subscribe, drive us up in the the algorithm. That'd be Get great. us some more viewers, That'd please. That would be great. All we right. would appreciate that. And uh, my Twitter's not up there, but go follow me on Twitter, based fat Chad. I'm I got two more days before I can tweet again. But oh, really? Yeah. And at Two Tongues Pod, uh, let us know what's up. Like, comment, subscribe. Until next time, hit that bell, bitches. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode. 